Recording and memories like fingerprints are slowly raising. Me wouldn't recall, or I'm not my father. It's hard when you're stuck upon the shelf. I changed, but not changing at all. I know we've played this before, sweetie. <laughs> it's just, a good song. I just wrote Todd a note, and I said, we've played this song before. Hold on, here comes the best line. All right. I just want to scream hello. All right, so here's, my name's Todd. This is Kathy. Uh, welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. I played that song for a very specific reason, not just because I like that song. That's okay. a song by Pearl Jam called Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town. Before I explain why I played that song, I first want to introduce who we are and what the show is. This is Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 367, which are not all prime numbers. But a few about a month ago, I said they're all prime numbers, and like two of them weren't. Correct. Because six is even. There's no such thing as an even prime number, sweetie. Uh-uh. So uh, what's in Parenting Radio? It's a podcast where we will help you to feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, um, one of my friends... Uh, wrote in because he listens to the show frequently and had some comments, respectful comments of something that I said. Wait, are you going to tell us why you played that song? In a second. Oh. I'm, I'm teasing. Oh, okay. So you didn't forget. You're no, just, no, okay. I didn't forget. All right. And then there's another uh, question that uh, a brand new listener who actually found out about us through Rob Bell, he's got a four-year-old uh, and an 11-month-old and he's uh, pulling his hair out. Okay. So we're going to help him out. All right. The reason I played that song is because you, you and I went to yoga today. Uh-huh. And we had a conversation uh, about uh, teachers and quote unquote gurus. Uh -huh. And you and I have always been attracted to certain types of teachers. Uh -huh. um, I've been attracted to Tony Robbins and Jeff Foster. You like both of them as well. And we had a conversation about certain people in our lives who we, um, you know, from, from my judgmental perspective, changes who they are to fit themselves to fit into what they think they ought to be. So wait a second, that's two different things. Okay. So what you're saying is that there are certain people because they get a certain teacher, they become more like that teacher and maybe change who they are in turn or they start to morph into something maybe Cor that they weren't originally. Correct. And you and I have been attracted to teachers who do not do that. Well, and that's not true. That's but if, actually But but uh, just real quick Right now, in right your now, life. Right now, right now. Right. We have also kind of morphed into our teachers. And the two teachers that you just said, those are your teachers. Yes. And I like them, yeah. but those aren't people that I necessarily model after. I love, I mean, I love what they do. Right. You know, I've seen Tony Robbins, he's amazing, and Jeff Foster is amazing, but those haven't really been the people that I have followed personally. But I agree with you, Todd, that now, yeah. at this point in my life, yeah. I the best kind of learning for me is through personal experience and having a lot. Of, see, I think what's changed for me is what teacher means yeah. because I have teachers around me all the time. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that I meet every day who 
either say something or do something that inspires my thinking. And I may not even know them. Yep. Like the guy I just saw at Mariano's, he just said something to me and I've been thinking and about it. he's your it. teacher. Exactly. What I don't, what I don't feel connected to anymore, and I think this is your point, is a kind of thing where we have one person mm-hmm. who everything they say becomes everything that we believe. Yes. And whatever they do is what we do. And maybe, like you said, if they have a kind of persona where they look a certain way or dress a certain way, all of a sudden the people who follow that person start looking like them. Yeah. It's like it's even though I know it's a teacher-student thing, it almost becomes like you get followers, mm-hmm. and I'm putting that in quotes, instead of having it be a soul-to-soul relationship. Right. There's some ego involved. And and you, we both have had teachers where we kind of like, I don't know, this is a bad phrase, but we like we drink the Kool-Aid. We think that they are higher than thou. Yes. Right? We, and that is why, um, that's why I stopped out and said, I now I, I appreciate the way that, I understand teachers, but in my past, I have definitely had some people that I followed way too closely. So I think this is a really important point. I don't think we talk about it enough. We we regurgitate a lot of information on the show because it's so important, but this is very important that I don't think we regurgitate very often. And it is, you're listening to us talk right now. My guess is because you want to be entertained and feel outstanding and learn about parenting and all that. But Kathy and I are here to tell you that even though we believe a certain thing or something works for us, doesn't mean that you, the listener, has to do it as well. We want What we want more than anything is for you guys to follow your own path. And, and I think that's an important point that we need to make. And what that means, because that can start to sound kind of like, what does it mean to follow your path? These, these for words... For me, it means trust your gut, trust your instinct, forget what we said, like hear what we say, and then forget everything we say, and then do what you think is best. Yes. If something that we say, or anybody else for that matter, says resonates with you, and what resonation means, and I know you guys know, but I just want to take this to the deeper level, is that there's something that comes alive in you. Mm-hmm. When you hear someone say something, it makes you go, yes, that's what I've always believed. And that's the key right there. The words I said, that's what I've always believed. So the truth is, is, like, say that I said something and you and you say, oh, my gosh, that's what I always believed. It wasn't from me then because mm-hmm. you already believed it. Yeah, you hear a lot of things we say that you don't attach yourself to. But there, right. if there's something that we say that you attach yourself to, it was it's yours. not because we said it. It's because we reminded you of something that you believe in your core. That you already knew. And we have said that a lot on this show, that, it, that I really believe um, that when you're listening, you take what works – And then you leave behind what doesn't. And I don't even think it has to be like a conscious decision. I think you do that naturally. Mm -hmm. I think when you listen to a show, you say, oh, that part, you know, doesn't work for me. Oh, but that resonated. Mm -hmm. And then you still got something because we can't go through the world and look to people and say, you have to believe everything I believe and I have to believe everything you believe. There's going to be pieces that work and pieces that don't. Well, and uh, you and I on the way home from yoga, we're talking about somebody specific and we kind of observed from a distance that this person was kind of physically changing their uh, characteristics through haircuts and things like that. Their, their to, physical appearance. To kind of be in this little group. And then, and and she's been like that a while. And we just, she posted something on Facebook and she said that she's taken everything out of her hair and she looks kind of who she was before she entered this little group. Mm-hmm. And she feels more like herself. Yeah, she kind of, and this is the interesting thing about life. 
is that we have to go through those waves. That in no way do I look at a friend who says, wow, I got off path and I was following somebody else and I started to look different and feel different. And I don't look at them and say, oh, well, I judge you for doing it in the first place. For her to learn more about herself, she had to, I don't even know if she got off path. Maybe that was part of the path. And then that got her back to that sense of, no, this is who I really am. The only way sometimes to know who you really are is to, is to, to kind of veer in different directions. Kind of like our kids. Correct. Right? They're going to hang with kids that you don't want them to hang with. Right. And that's how they kind of figure out where their center is. Exactly. Like I wrote something, I don't know if it was in the first or second book, but when um, my daughter was really young, I would watch her play with her friends. And this is when she was like four or five. And there was this period of time where she started getting really excited about being the villain all the time. And she like wanted to be the bad witch or she wanted to be the, um, you know, like the Disney character who was the villain, you know? And I remember because she was my first, I was super uncomfortable with it. Mm. Like, why does she want to be the villain? Yeah. And, you know, what is this? And, you know, getting all in my head about it. And eventually I, you know, talk about a self-awareness time where you have to be like, okay, stand back a second. What's going on? What I recognized is that kids have to try on all different things. They have to feel what that feels like and, and, and understand the consequences, even through play. Yeah. Because in play, nobody wants to hang out with the villain. And so you get to learn a real, you know, experience. Yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe they do for a while, but then really what they want is to be, you know, they want to be good. Mm-hmm. And so she got to experience um, that even as a young child. And and if we get too involved and say, you shouldn't want to be the villain, you know, what's wrong with you? Why would you want to be that? Then we kind of disrupt that process. Now, as they get older, I know what parents are thinking. It gets more serious. Yeah. If you have a child who's spending time with someone who you find to be, you know, Making morally bad or challenging. Poor choices. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then, yes, conversations are necessary. But I think the piece that that you got to be clear about is it doesn't mean now your child embodies all bad things. It could be that they are – like I'm even thinking about my own high school career and, Todd, you could probably do the same. There are some people that I hung out with or even dated Mm -hmm. who weren't necessarily always making the greatest choices. Of course. But it didn't mean that I was doing all that. Right. It didn't mean that – but they were interesting to me. But having said that, but we – it's not like we were doing everything our friends were doing, but there's plenty of choices that we each made that every one of us have made that – we look back on like, oh my God, what do I, what was I thinking? Yet here we are, we turned out okay. Right. So that's that balance is you got to give your kids enough space to make mistakes where there's no permanent damage. And that's the trick. And that's the trick. And and so, so how do we do that? Um, is that we have to stay grounded when these things are happening. The most important thing is if let's, let's use an example, you have a son because it's always the daughter dating the, you know, the person who you you wish she wasn't dating. How about a son who's dating someone that you don't think treats him well? Um, And they could be anywhere from 13 to 19 or, or, you know, and you're uncomfortable with it. Instead of coming at him, and saying why he's making a mistake and he's disappointing you and you're just overwhelmed and you're staying up at night, instead of putting all your stuff on him, you can approach him with a sense of groundedness and calmness and say, really bring up the things you're seeing. I noticed that, you know, you get really upset after she texts you. Does she, is she not saying kind things? Or, you know, be that person that he can talk to 
and he's not going to share everything, but be an understanding presence because your fear and anxiety around it is not going to change things. Maybe it will for a moment, or maybe he'll start lying to you. Maybe he'll say, I'm not seeing her anymore. And she is, and he is, but he just doesn't want to upset you anymore. There's a sense of, and we can take that to a third grade level. You know, your your daughter or son is spending time with a friend who isn't great. It is opening that door to conversation and communication and also possibly sharing some of your own experiences, but then letting go of the expectation that everything's going to change after that conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember Rosalind Wiseman said, you know, what we're doing is laying a groundwork, is that it's conversation and then another conversation and then another conversation. And eventually our children integrate what it is they want for themselves. Without even knowing where they got it from. Exactly. And the truth is we never gave it to them. We reminded them. Mm -hmm. So this is going back to what you said about something resonating. Right. And, you know, I talked about Tony. What's interesting is Tony's documentary on Netflix, which I think everybody should watch, is called um, I Am Not Your Guru. And then you forwarded something to me. Um, Jeff Foster had a little post and it was called the worst guru ever. And he explained how, <laughs> why he's not a good, guru. why, you know, he says, I'm, I'm the worst guru ever. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've never been to India and don't feel pulled to move there anytime soon. I don't claim to be awakened, liberated, enlightened. Like he goes on to say all of his flaws. He goes on to say, I'm human. Yes. Because really none of those things are flaws necessarily. Right. Well, you know what I mean. Right. But because when someone says, I'm not enlightened, well, of course you're not all the time. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Nobody is in a constant state of enlightenment. Enlightenment is a moment to moment, like a decision that's made from the heart. Like there was, there was a, a wide open moment mm-hmm. where you – but enlightenment, nobody gets to say, I'm constantly seeing things from a conscious perspective. Right. Because there's – We're human. And I'm not, you know, maybe there are some people out there who are like, no, no, I'm constantly conscious, but conscious. 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 But I think that that's a heavy um, burden to place on yourself. Yeah. Because there are times when it's hard to be that. And, um, And I don't know if it's even truth because there's obviously some ego in saying I'm this all the time. Right. What I want to go back to about what Todd said about the conversation in the car is that I what I brought up to him is I've kind of learned over time through great teachers and not such great teachers or teachers that I thought were great that I now have a different perspective on what kind of teacher I want to be. And the best, the kind of teacher that I want to be to people who are listening to the podcast or my college students or my fifth graders is the kind of person who says... Um, I'm going to point out some things and say some things, but then you get to feel it within yourself and make your choices. Mm -hmm. You, you know, it's the point to the moon thing again. I'm going to say, here's a path that I took, or here's some thoughts or experiences that I had. But in the, in the overall, in the long run, learn to trust yourself and know that there's many different ways, you know? I don't have all the answers. No, nor should we. And I think support systems, that's parents, therapists, coaches, whatever kind of support system, our job is to not provide all the answers. Right. I say that to my social work students all the time. I'm like, because you guys are becoming therapists, or most of you guys are, some of them are becoming police officers and such, people come to you and you think you're supposed to have all the answers for them. And you're not. And even if you did, if you gave it to them, it wouldn't mean a whole lot anyways. Yes. And, you know, just in our own practices, like 
our job, you know, Todd's job as a coach, my job as a therapist and coach is to help you make your own best decisions. And if that means you see me once, then so be it. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? Like the job is not to have you trust more in what I say than in what you say. The job is to have you trust yourself. So let's take that to parenting. Isn't that what we want for our kids? We want to teach our kids to trust themselves, not to call us and say, mom, what should I do? Right. And sometimes I still struggle with that. Like, you know, and I've been getting better at it lately, lately, but you know, it's sometimes it's quicker and easier just to do whatever it is that your kid wants to do, whether it be making waffles or helping them with homework or whatever. The, the hard part is to let them do it themselves yes. because it takes longer, it takes more energy, but that's the t- those are the types of decisions that pay dividends in the long run. And, you know, and that's that balance thing that we have to work on too, because if, you know, if you're, if it's math homework and the kid doesn't have a freaking clue, then you start from scratch, then you gotta, yeah. you gotta help them, but you gotta sometimes invite them to stretch themselves a little bit saying, you, you can do this. You can figure this out without my help. And I think instead of having the decision-making up front about every choice we're going to make with our kids, what we do is we have an intention. What is my intention for my children, for the way I parent and, and what I want for them? What I want is for my kids to know who they are. I want them to have a sense of self. I want them to have some confidence. I want them to risk things and to fail. I want them to be um, conscious of who they are and how they affect other people. And so if that intention is there, then that dictates my choices later, meaning that with math homework, it's okay if I'm helping them with some, you know, fractions, I'm not in any way keeping them from knowing their true selves. So sometimes we get too focused on how we're doing it rather than what the intention is behind it. Because if the intention is clear, then it's a lot easier to make decision-making on the fly, you know, to have some decision-making on the fly. So to bring it full circle, the reason I played that Pearl Jam song is one of the lines in that song that I played right there at the end was, I change by not changing. And I always was struck by that line. At all. (laughs) And I never knew why I liked it so much, but that line is helpful in this discussion is, you know, sometimes we change for our teachers or whatever, and maybe the best thing we can do is just not change and be yourself. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up because the thing that came into my head when you said that in the car was one thing that I realized about myself, and this could potentially continue because I have to be very conscious of it, is when I love something, I want to do it like on steroids. And I mean that from, you know, describing like, if I love yoga, I'm going to become a teacher. Mm -hmm. If I love oils, I'm going to learn about all of them. Mm -hmm. And this has been my history, right? You know, if, if I want to, you know, understand parents better, I become a parent coach. So it's like, I've always tried to go to that place where I just want to know everything. And I take it to this extreme. Again, this is historically speaking. And What I've realized now about life, and this has really been taught to me the most about the challenges I've faced, um, people that um, have passed away, that I've learned things in their death, or the fact that, you know, my dad's been not well for a long period of time, and, you know, I spend a lot of time with him, or or our kids getting sick, or anything like that, is I've learned that life is about now. Mm -hmm. And it's not about, and and that sounds so cliche, it doesn't, that didn't land the way I wanted it to, because it's more powerful than that. Life is not about being the best at everything, and it's not about learning everything and being on steroids about it. It's about enjoying bits and pieces of it occasionally. Sometimes I'm going to like oils. 
but I don't have to be the best at it. Right. And some days I'm going to use them, but I don't have to use them every day. And I'm going to do yoga, but I don't have to be the best yogi. And I'm going to be a therapist, but I don't have to like become the most famous therapist. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And that when we have negative negative experiences, you know, the other thing that I've learned this through is my own headaches, which are really painful and help and kind of bring me down a notch where I can't participate in life the way I normally do. So when I feel good, the only thing that matters is that I feel good. And how do I enjoy this time rather than how do I constantly achieve, achieve and gain success and gain success? And those things just don't and yet at the same time, paradoxically, it's fun to have goals. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's one or the other. It's that do you have a sense of balance and intention about why you're doing what you're doing? Or as I like to say, sometimes good enough is good enough. Literally good enough. And is the way, like even a yoga practice, like, you know, the yoga that we did this morning, there was a time when I was doing yoga where I just had to push everything. Like, well, I'm going to go further. I'm going to get my leg higher. I mean, everything was about achieving something bigger. And today I had a great practice, but you know what? I just was me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to, you know, and our teacher would say, you can take this further. You can, and I just wanted to be in a certain And position. there are going to be other days where you, where it's in your best interest, you're in alignment with stretching yourselves and, yourself and pushing yourself and there's other days when you just want to sit tight and be where you are. And that they both are okay. Right. Because part of the language that we use is yesterday, you know, in class, and it doesn't have to be yoga, it could be anything, I totally didn't push myself. And so therefore, it was somehow a fail- failure. Yeah. But today, I worked so hard that I was like almost fainted. Yeah. Well, is that, like, can they both just be belong? as valuable? Yeah. Is one more valuable than the other? And our society says, oh, of course, the one where you almost fainted is more valuable than the one where you didn't push yourself. And that's not necessarily what you and I believe in. At all. And especially um, this whole idea of suffering or having a day where we get so much done, then that makes it a good day. Like you and I have been talking about that this week because um, I feel like I shared this. Oh, it was in the interview we did the other day. I, I shared that. I came home on Wednesday and had had kind of a tough day. And um, when I got here, Todd was in productive mode and he was working, 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 and he was moving from one thing to the next, which he does. And normally that doesn't even phase me. But when I come in, in a really melancholy, not it's not about like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed and I'm he's bothering me. It's I need slow. And instead of making him wrong or or making myself feel like I should be getting to his level, how can we accept where we are at any given time and know that that's exactly where we're supposed to be? Because you want to know why? Because it, it's where I am. Yeah. So fighting that is only going to create more energy going in the wrong direction. Right. It's, there's just an isness about it. Today I'm melancholy. and And so in that place, can I... Instead of saying to Todd, you have to slow down so I can feel yeah, better. you went upstairs and you took care of yourself. I did. And and that's not easy. Right. Because there is a belief system that the other way is better. But this week, I wasn't capable of being working at a level that I often do. But then does that make it a non-productive week? These are the questions of our time. Right. I mean, really. Um, so I want to talk about our two partners, um, Avid Company. They uh, do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. The owner's name is Jeremy. He's a bald-headed beauty and a good friend of ours. Uh, you can learn more about Jeremy and his company at avidco.net. And then our other partner is the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly. 
adjusts twice a month. And you can find out more about Dr. Kelly at chirotree.com. And um, good news is I found a new website where I can download movie lines. And I have a whole new batch of movie lines. So I'm going to play a few of them for you. So this, uh, this portion of Zen Parenting Radio is brought to you by a handful of movie lines. Are you going to tell, I, I'm going to ask you if you know what it's from. You ready? All right. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. Oh, I have no idea. It's Ace Ventura, sweetie. Oh, no. This one's easier. Joey, you like Airplane. movies about gladiators. What is that? Airplane. Bad news. Fog is getting thicker. Airplane. And Leon's getting larger. One more for Airplane. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't, don't call, call me Shirley. And then this movie, sweetie. I'm in a glass case of emotion. I am in a glass case of emotion. Remember that, that is Anchorman. Remember that part in the World Series? Uh, Rizzo was talking to Grandpa or whatever yeah. the guy's name is, and it was Ross. game seven, and it was a really intense part, and that's exactly what he, he said. He said, I'm in a glass case of emotion right now. What about this one? Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this. But I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. People know me. I have meetings with people occasionally who say things like that to me. And they're not (laughs) quoting a movie? They're just saying that? No, they just say that. I know. I think they just want me to know that they're important. And, you know, the thing is, is they are. But like but I, you don't have to tell me about but it. But that's the thing is, I think you're important even if you didn't have the number one book. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm. I guess I'm just not more impressed with the. You know, I'm kind of a big deal because who are you a big deal to? Yourself. To yeah. Well, what I mean is, when they're saying that, they have somehow formulated their opinion about being a big deal because of what the outside world has told them. Well, first of all. I would be lying if I did not uh, say that I probably fall into that trap every now and again. It's called the ego, which we all have. Uh Um, But at the same time, if you're really that big of a deal, you shouldn't have to say it because if you're a big deal, then everybody knows it. As I always, uh, one of my favorite marketing tips, well, it's not even a tip. It's like a, a philosophy and I've got it above my desk and I pull it out a lot to when Todd and I are talking about marketing, quiet marketing. Mm. Basically what that means, it's, you know, it's from Zen Habits from Leo. Uh, bas- Babuda? Babuda. I always want to say Biscaglia because no. of um, that guy, else. the hug guy who I used to love when I was a kid. Um, but uh, the whole thing about quiet marketing is do your job, do your job well, and people will come. Maybe you, and when people will come, that doesn't mean famous people will come because they're famous because of what? Yeah. It's that people who you want to be around will want to be associated with what you're doing and you will want to be associated with what they're doing. You ready for the next movie? You are so, you want to get through so many things. Two I more. can see it. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. I know that one. What is it? Uh, Billy, um, stop, stop. Don't tell me. I, you know what here, I want to say, here, Billy Elliot. Here's another line from the same movie. Okay. Which will will convince you what it is. Okay. War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. What? Oh. Over? Animal House. Did you say hey. over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell 
Germans. Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, tough get going. Um, that's so funny. You know what movie I thought it was? That golf movie. No, it's the one Happy where- Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore, that's yeah, it. That was Animal House, sweetie. I know, that was dumb of me. No, it wasn't, because good is dumb. Good is dumb. So on to the next task at hand. Um, one of my good friends, who's also in the Tribe Men's Group, uh, listens to the show, and he was kind enough to email me after last week's show. Will you explain what I talked about on last week's show in regard to uh, those fourth grade boys that I spoke with? Oh, so you brought up the fact that when you were working with the fourth grade boys that you said to them, uh, you know, I don't know what you guys know, but as a grown man, I can tell you that it's, I believe it's not okay to hit girls. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read his email. It's it's a paragraph. And did he say you could read his email? Yes, he did. Okay. And I didn't even say his name, so just in case. But yes, okay. he, I said, can we share this on the show? And he said, yes. Sure, okay. I listened to your Buck Up or Console podcast today. It was insightful and entertaining as usual. Todd's discussion about his work with fourth grade boys through HGNA triggered some thoughts for me. Todd said that he told the boys that he strongly believes boys should never hit girls, which is what Kathy just explained. I've heard Todd and quite a few other men I know express the same sentiment before. While the idea seems innocuous and noble, it strikes me that it is insidiously sexist and paternalistic. To single out girls or women as the only gender that should be free from physical harm implies that it is the role of a man to protect women. That concept also implies that it is okay for a boy to hit another boy. What if instead of telling boys never hit a girl, we told them never hit anyone, regardless of the gender? Then instead of teaching our boys that their role is to protect what the message of don't hit girls implies is the weaker sex, we are teaching them that violence against anyone, male or female, is unacceptable. I firmly believe that every person, no matter their gender or other qualifying characteristic, deserves respect and compassion. I also believe that when we elevate a class of people, in this case boys, to the status of protector of another class, in this case girls, we demean the class of people we are trying to protect. It's a mixed message we don't need to be providing. And scene. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Well, well, first of all, real quick, it's un... So I think what we're going to do is probably pick Edward's uh, words apart a little bit. It's all right. He told me it was okay. Okay. And um, and it's not fair because he's not here to kind of, this is not a debate. This is our take on his email. Well, and that's the thing is I'm not going to pick his words apart. I will. I, I'm going to talk about this generally speaking. He's not wrong. There's nothing, but- No, me, he's not wrong. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with the fact that to say um, when we're teaching boys and girls that we teach them both, it's not okay to hit anybody. And I think we do start doing that from yeah. very early on. I don't think that's a gender specific thing. Um, I think we do talk to girls and boys. You don't hit people. And, yeah. you know, um, I think what I think about when, you know, your comment to them about it's not okay to hit girls is I think something changes as boys start to go through adolescence or depending on the home that they're raised in um, or what they're seeing in the media is that they are shown images and they are, they do have role models. Let's just talk about the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Of men who do try to control women yep. through domestic abuse. Right. Now, that that is just a fact. Like I'm, you know, as that someone- That is the world we live in. As somebody who has worked with women her whole life and has been a social worker, yes, there are men who are abused 
meaning that there are men who are abused by women and men who are abused by other men. But the big fire in the house right now- The house that's burning. Is the is men who are hitting women. Yes. So it doesn't mean that it's the only thing happening. It means it's the most prevalent thing happening. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to me, and again, it, he doesn't need to change his mind on this. No. Because I hear him. But to me, it's the issue that we can actually go after and- and recognize that that's something the boys are seeing and experiencing. And like I said, potentially in their own homes. I mean, I still work with families where, you know, that there's abuse and children are seeing it. And so there is, it's that, yes, don't hit anybody, but also let's look at something that's real in our world and constantly happening and statistically happening more often mm-hmm. than maybe we would like to well, realize. And I had two hours with these boys on a Saturday morning. And I will tell you, it is not easy. Like my goal going into the the teaching opportunity that I had was for them to make take one takeaway, maybe two takeaways. And of course, Edward's right. Nobody should ever hit anybody. But to your point, uh, the house that's burning right now is is men physically, verbally, emotionally abusing women. Does it happen the other way? Of, of course. course it does. And I'm not pretending that it doesn't. But if I can plant a seed in these young men's minds that there are certain things that are off the table, taboo, cannot do, it's do not hit girls. And it's to open that so when they are shown things where it does seem okay mm-hmm. then you that message that you've said will contradict what they're seeing yes i need them to th- think twice when they're getting the messages that they will see when you see uh ray rice and on an elevator yeah punch a woman to, yeah. to when she drops we all saw that yeah and there's going to be more examples of that sadly enough right as we move forward. Right. And all I wanted to do is plant a seed in their brain. Hopefully they're doing this from their parents anyways, and they're they're taught love and not violence and all when that. When you say hope, hopefully they're doing this from their parents, what does that hopefully mean? Hopefully their parents are teaching this to them Got as it. well. Yes. Hopefully but, they're hearing this from more than just you. But if nothing else, I wanted these boys to hear that it's not, and I don't think it, it, it weakens the girl. And I know Edward is saying that it does, that it, or it could you know, morph into that message. Well, I think it's making it, the assumption is, is that if you don't hit girls and that somehow means you're their protector mm-hmm. and they, and it could, I mean, mm-hmm. we're all here to protect each other, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a gender specific thing either. Let's take care of each other, right? We're here to, to help each other in whatever way we can. But there's a difference between making a choice to not hit and being an overall protector right? because protection would be too, well, I- interesting. So, I'm I'm going to kind of back out of this for a second and say that this is kind of the conversation that I run into when I talk to people about sexual assault, Um, especially on college campuses and, you know, in in high school, later on in high school, people people tend to not understand how common it is. And as somebody who is working with these people, I can tell you it's quite common and the statistics are devastating, meaning that they're they're so the statistics are not good. Yet only one in like five women even reports. Yeah. So take that in right. of an understanding of that the statistics are pretty crazy already about how many girls are sexually assaulted. Yet we're not even getting the full read on how often this happens. Not only that, but when a girl is sexually assaulted and maybe um, you know p- potentially raped. Um, a rape kit is done and those sit on a shelf and nobody even tries to investigate what's happening. Right. The message that's happening is that um, the message that 
it fe- feels like is being conveyed is that this is not a big deal. Right. And what we can do, and as someone who advocates for women, I don't say men suck and men don't have problems and women do. I acknowledge that both men and women have issues that they need to deal with and that we need to support each other and hear each other. But I also recognize that statistically, women, A, are being sexually assaulted and abused a lot more Mm -hmm. and always have been in this. This is historical. This isn't new. This isn't 2017. Women have been oppressed throughout history. So we can't disagree on that. Or, Or I guess someone could, but isn't that the truth still about today? And the reason that I'm bringing that up is because yesterday there was a picture posted on social networking of our vice president sitting at a table with a a group of Republicans. They call themselves the Freedom Caucus. And the room was filled with white men, middle-aged white men. And what they were discussing were the health care needs of a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. And now we can say – well, I don't even know what to say about that. Where well, where are the people of color? Where are the women? Why should men be making that decision? Now, let me finish this, Todd, so I can come full circle, and then I'm going to totally give it to you. I'm not – someone may say, well, how does that connect to what Todd said about hitting a girl? I think this is always the problem we run into when we talk about a specific group is that then people say, yeah, but what about this group or what about what that says or what about what that means? And and I agree. Like I agreed with Edward. These are issues too. Yeah. But can't is it okay <laughs> to point these things out and to say, yes, we need to look everywhere, but this is a big issue. Mm-hmm. And boys this are This is being, an emergency. This is an emergency. And even worse in the last four months you know, as far as women being... Perception. Yeah, perception and and what, you know, the messages that are being sent and the ripples that are being sent through this new administration is, it's a a challenge. I'll give you an example. I shared that exact post on my page. Oh, did you? And I said, anyone, anyone, just to see... Like, where's the women, right? Where are the women? And I got, and I'm not a big fan of measuring likes or, you know, how many people respond to it. Because it doesn't mean It doesn't really mean that much. But 28 people liked it. Mm -hmm. Out of those 28, how many do you think were women and how many were men? The majority were women. 26 women and two men. Mm -hmm. If that is not indicative, and I'm calling myself out, I do not wave the equality flag nearly as, as, as vocally as I feel like maybe I should. So I'm calling myself out and my other brothers who are all men, and it's not about liking Facebook posts, but what are we doing as men to make this more of a level playing field, whether it be about sexual assault or women's pay, or you know, there could be a whole list of different issues within this same umbrella. I, I was shocked that only two out of 28 people, like, there's more men in my news feed or that that I'm friends with than, than women, women, right? Yet, but th- this responded to women, and my challenge to myself, my invitation to myself and to my fellow men out there is to get engaged in whichever, whatever way you know how. If you believe some of the same things that we're talking about right here, is become engaged and and fight for the everybody out there, especially. Women, daughters, moms, aunts, everything else. So. And can we view, because I don't, you know, Todd just used the word fight. Can we stand with women without thinking that we're protecting them? 
And I think that's what Edward is saying. Is can we stand? Can because I don't believe that Todd goes through life protecting me. I feel very and. When I say that, he protects me in the way that partners do. You know, he's thoughtful about his language and, you know, he's we, – we are protective of each other's emotional needs. But I don't go through life thinking I could never make it unless Todd was protecting me. Right. I feel very self-sufficient. Plenty of women out there that are not married, you know. Of course. of course. You know, single women, divorced women, um, you know, women in their 20s who aren't even close to that kind of partnership who are who don't necessarily need protection but would love to have their friends, brothers, partners, um, co-workers stand with them stand in with. equality. Yeah. So that's the difference is we think if we speak up for women that we're somehow agreeing that women are better or that we're protecting them or that we need – that they need more. It's just everything is out of balance right now. And the only way to bring things back in balance is to have us stand together, not to say that men's needs are not important because they are. And I believe that equality is not just about women. Men need equality too. Because right now men are in a box of what they can do and yep. can't do and We're say. In the man. We're in the man box. So equality frees us all. Equality is, but the but the but is, you know, equality frees us all. Period. And then I'll start a new sentence, which is, at this time though, the oppression of women is, is more of is an emergency. More of an emergency, and so bringing attention to that, you know, like. Um, one of the things at the conference, Todd and I, had, uh, we made these videos. We made a video for, for men and we made a video for women and we called it um, like our vision boards of what we're focusing on. And it's not just Todd focusing on men. I think about men's rights and I, and I made one for women and Todd thinks about women, women's mm. rights. So we do these things together. But one of the quotes in the, the men's video was, empathy is the hardest for people who are in power because they don't feel what the people who are oppressed feel. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. It means they haven't experienced it. They haven't been in the skin or in the shoes of a woman or the skin or the shoes of someone of color or the skin or the shoes of an, of an immigrant or a refugee. So we don't know what that feels like. Yeah. And we all can work on that. Yeah. Not just men, all of us can practice being more empathetic. But I think that, you know, people in power who has traditionally been in power in our com in our country white men mm -hmm. so it's much more difficult to understand what someone who is different than that experiences and you don't have to fully understand it but can you be open to the fact that it might be more than you anticipated it was right right and that's you know one of my i'm so thankful for Todd is that I sometimes tell him things where I do feel marginalized or I feel I'm pointing out what I what I view to be oppression. And sometimes he's like, well, I don't really get that. Tell me more or give me another example. He doesn't always understand. He doesn't say, oh, yes, if you said it's an issue, then it's mm -hmm. an issue. And I'll and I'll, you know, I have to help him understand my yeah. experience. And that's what I said at the conference is like, ladies, help invite us along. Help us as you lead the charge. We all need to be leading together. But right now you see the marches and certain things and equality, it's it's led by women. Yes. And we if they're gonna get to the promised land, which is equality, they can't do it alone. We need you. We need to do it together. And not to protect us, <laughs> right. but to stand with us, to see us yeah. as equal. Instead of, oh, I'll throw you this bone. Yeah. It's do you believe we are? Like, can I tell you an experience I had the other night that I got teary about? Sure. And you were there. So I was at this district band festival oh, yeah. and 
there was the middle school was doing their songs and my daughter Cameron who's in the uh, middle school band my other daughter's in orchestra but my daughter's in the middle school band she said to me you're gonna love this one part Mm -hmm. during wipeout yeah okay she's like because the drums are awesome well, during this part in Wipeout, which you guys know the drums in Wipeout, right? Well, that's guitar part. Yeah, right. But the and it's not an easy drum part. Two girls who I happen to know, her friend Daly, and then a little girl named well, she's not a little girl, she's in eighth grade, named Ellie, who was in our BU group, and her mom Deb is a friend of ours. They did that part together. And there's a ton of girls and boys in percussion, but they were the two doing it. And I don't know why it made me teary, but it i just was like gosh like that's it mm-hmm. it's not about they're better than it's not that other people can't play it and i don't think they were chosen to do it because they were girls mm-hmm. i think it just is how can we who have, knows maybe it's because they were the best at it maybe they are who knows i don't know and and if that is the case great and right. maybe in the next year it's boys and then yeah. it's a boy and a girl it's just can we have both because right now even it's though i'm out of balance it's not, in we a don't. large way in a large way so, um, all right. So that wasn't all for Edward, by the way. No. Edward, thank you for your comment. Yeah. And it's you're not wrong. And I'm sure that we will continue to debate this. And I'm sure that he would disagree with some of the things we're saying. And of he course. would be completely on board with some of the things we're saying. Sure. The one thing I thought of when we're talking about, like, this is an emergency, this take it off of the equality thing. I remember Bono, whom I love, um, he's all into feeding children in Africa yeah, and all that. And he, he would say, sometimes people would like raise their hand or ask a question saying, you know, I'm helping my own community and, and I'm giving money to my own community and all that. And he's like, that's awesome. I love it. But, but these kids in Africa are dying. Like this is an emergency. Like mm-hmm. the house is burning down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like in this country, the poorest person in this country is probably, uh, the richest person in most other third world mm-hmm. countries, what they have access to, clean water, you know, all these things. Medicine. So this is one of like this. It's I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind of it's not along a, the same lines. It's not a direct comparison right. about it being the same level of need yeah. that someone. It's about can you see it through the lens of all these issues are necessary and they're all important. And for those of you who give or you know do something that's charity or philanthropic, that's awesome. But the question is here is can you see that there that this is a need and that it's not about beating people up so you know who think differently it's about how can we in our own life in our own home in our work experience how do we listen to the needs of a woman and understand that they may be different. And one more thing about this, Todd, it's like, for example, in the workplace, if we take a workplace situation and we say, because I think a lot of um, men and women would say it's tough in the workplace because if women choose to have children um, with their partner, they uh, sometimes it's difficult because they got to pull out of the workplace for a while or, or you know, workers, um, employers are afraid they won't come back. What if we like broke that model apart and actually had some leave Mm -hmm. and had some, um, you know, men who could leave their work and do some caregiving as well? Like what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase this equality within this model and in this box that doesn't work. Do you see what I mean? Gotta break the box open. We gotta break it open and say, what would help a woman stay in the workplace? What could help a man? 
uh, be able to stay home and do some caregiving alongside or on his own? Yeah. How could we break apart this model? And you know, I right now we're not going in the best direction toward yeah. that. Um, but I'm not hopeless. No, neither am I. I think people are very vocal and and very creative and. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope. Never underestimate the power and the strength of the human spirit. Amen. Ever. I agree. I agree. Um, so we're running out of time. Okay. So, but I do want to get to this gentleman's question because I told him I would. Okay. You ready? Yes. Not sure how how old your kids are now, but what would you do when they would start crying, yelling, and throwing themselves on the floor? My boy is four and I have an 11 month old. He asked to watch a video and I said, no, offering other alternatives. I keep checking in with my inner world, breathing, trying to offer the best me, but the crying continues for 30 minutes, sometimes screaming at me. I get lost whether to let him do all or intervene and console. First of all, my heart goes out to this guy. Oh, yeah. Sounds... And you're not alone, Dad. No. Yeah, I mean, welcome to having a four-year-old and 11-month-old. That's the thing is I think that the first thing I'd say is the belief system that if you get in touch with your inner world, that he'll somehow stop. Because it's not really the getting in touch with what's going on inside you helps you be more accepting of what's happening rather than think, okay, I'm grounded, therefore he should stop. Because that's it's the acceptance of that this is pretty typical of that age yeah. and that it is embarrassing sometimes and that it does slow us down and it does make us late and it does make us uncomfortable. But the, knowing that that's normal and that that's typical is the first step yep. because there's you might be doing a lot of blaming of I must be doing something no, wrong. you're not. And you're not. Now, it, the, the other thing I'd say is we don't know all the pieces of their story. Right. So there's no way we could say, oh, it's perfectly normal because I don't know your son and I don't know his experiences. But from what Todd, Todd is describing, yeah, been there. So let's get specific. He wants to know if he should intervene or console or just let him Let's just, I don't know. I don't know if he's talking about the four year old or the 11th month old. Let's just say it's the four year old and he's, he's crying for 30 minutes screaming at his dad. Do you can be, do you console? Do you intervene? What do you do? Well, it's funny. Last week, our show was buck up or console, yeah. which was really about, do we kind of take a stand and say enough yeah. or do we console? And the, the answer was you do both depending on the situation. Um, there are times when there is plenty of space and time to hold them for 30 minutes and, you know, it, that's never fun. It's not like I'm like, yay, can't wait to do that. But sometimes there is space and time to do that. Well, I will tell you what I wouldn't do. And I say I, because I don't want to include you. I would not spank him and I would not uh, put him in a corner and I would not shame him. There's a lot of... It's, well, it, he didn't say any of those things. I know he's not. Okay. He's not, You're just trying to check things yeah, off the list. Yeah, sometimes it's easier to help somebody understand something by not necessarily what they should do, but what what I wouldn't do. So that, because that never works. And and by the way, it's really hard sometimes not to shame a kid who's screaming at you for 30 minutes. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's really, really hard. And that's your work. Like this, this these people were brought into your life to, to hold a mirror up to you and say, can you handle this? Like, can you deal with this chaos? And can you deal with knowing that you may not know what to do next time? Yep. Meaning ahead of time. But in the moment, you can trust yourself to handle it. Because I think what we want, especially when we have little kids, is a plan. We want to be like, this is my plan and I'm going to stick to this plan. And unfortunately, we're dealing with human beings. So the plan isn't always going to roll out as it should. I think the only piece of the plan that it sounds like, Dad, you already have going for you – 
is that you are focusing on being grounded mm-hmm. and focusing on your inner world and where are you? Because the more you can do that, That's a muscle. the better outcome you're going to have. But he still may cry for 30 minutes. Yep. And my my one thing that I would say is even though he's four, when he is in a good place, if it'd be 15 minutes later or three hours later, I would talk to him about it and say, this morning you were so sad and, and, you know, tell me what was going on and how could I have helped you? Like engage him, not immediately after his, you know, his crying. When times are good. When times are good, engage him. And he may not have an answer, but then he at least knows that the experience he's having, you're noticing it and that you are there in a supportive way. And that maybe he can say to you, Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Maybe he will say when he's in a good place, when I'm having that kind of crying fit, I just need to be alone. And then he's answering the question. Or he might say, hug me. Or he might say, hug me. Or he might say, I don't know. And you can say to him, you know what? I don't always know either, but I'll be there for you. And that's the key is I think that there is no right way. Um, there is just being present because even now, like we told, you know, on the show last week, we were talking about our nine-year-old who was having a tough week last week and Todd and I went in and out of, you know, buck up, console, buck up, console. And there's never a, a final answer. You just have to play it out and, and do your best to stay as peaceful as you can. And bless yourself if you lose it. Yeah. Because we all lose it. Occasionally. So my heart goes out to you, buddy. You can do it. You can do it. You have all the tools you need. You can do it. So uh, to close out the show, I want to give a quick plug to my coaching business, which is actually picking up a little bit of steam, which I'm excited about. So guys out there, if you want to uh, get more results in relationships or finance or parenting, I'm here for you. Guys, I know that we don't like to ask for directions when we get lost, but sometimes it's okay to do that. And I'm here to walk that balance between supporting you and then also kind of pushing you a little bit. And that's something that we uh, work together um, as a team. So, And if you know what? They may not even be lost. They may just be curious. Right. Like lost sounds like, you know. Well, I'm talking about like literally when we get lost, when we're driving somewhere. Right. I know you're trying to create an analogy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested, I do have a free 30-minute session. It's on my website, toddadamscoaching.com. I encourage you to uh, check that out, and I would love to chat with you. So. Um, I have two classes that I'm teaching at the Elmhurst Public Library. Uh, one is April 5th. It's a Wednesday. And then the second one, and it's about connecting and communicating with your kids. So it's like what we were just talking about. And then two weeks from that week, um, I think it's April 19th. It's another Wednesday. And it's about bringing peace in the home, like having a more peaceful home. Um, right now, when you are listening to this podcast, they, um, they're just asking for people from who are already part of the Elmhurst Public Library, meaning you have to be a member, you know, of the EPL. But starting Wednesday, which will be tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when the show comes out, um, if there is space left, then you can register as an out-of-town resident. So I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying, can I come if I don't belong to the library? And yes, you can, um, as you can start registering on Wednesday. Um, Words of wisdom, sweetheart? Um, Well, just to, um, you know... Just, I don't know. How's that? Sometimes it's okay not to know. Well, I don't. Like, I kind of feel like there was, I was trying to, I always try and with words of wisdom, wrap up everything we talked about, but gosh, where would I begin? I mean, be yourself, do your thing, be conscious of what's going on in your mind and heart. Um, Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of ourselves. How about that? It's all right. I change by not changing at all. Uh, change by not changing. So I'm just going to say, hey, everybody out there, just be cool, man, and keep trucking. You just said 
yeah, it's all right. You didn't you didn't give me the support. Well, mine's always better, sweetheart. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Duh. Duh. All right, see you guys. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, they are. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self awareness. So if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at Kathy at ZenParentingRadio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> sponsors. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling, avidco.net, and Dr. Kelly's at chirotree.com. Thank you so much for all your love and support. Keep on trucking. Sweetie, say keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. I say it better. I know. That's all right. Keep trucking. Adios. Adios.